Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hyperbaric Goat podcast. We're once again with Bread Roll, myself, and with me as always is JT. Hello. <laughs> and, <laughs> and today we're going to carry on our look at our top 10 Only Fools and Horses episodes. And today's episode is Healthy Competition, which aired in the 17th of November, 1983. Before you were born, even. And I, I was it in is. single figures, so... Yeah, a long time ago. 37 yeah. years, eh? That actually makes me feel really old now. I don't know what makes me feel <laughs> older. Just that little notion there, or the fact that when you watch the episode, you see the fashions people are wearing. It's like, you know, all those yeah, shoulder I, pads I, and the suits and everything. <laughs> I, they, shoulder pads are a bit later, I think, in the 80s, when they were like late 80s, I think. But I watched this episode earlier, and it was um, Dale was wearing his absolute classic get-up of his sheepskin coat, which I'm sure is not real, because it's Dale. Um, his red <laughs> turtleneck, his gold chain, his flat cap, the checked one. It was, you know, if, if you want to sort of draw or think of Dell, that's how you think of him, really. Yeah, Actually, it's just... Yeah, classic clack. Dell. <laughs> yeah. It's just a shade of red that that turtleneck is as well. It's like probably like candy apple red, isn't it? Like, you couldn't <laughs> it's, miss it. It's yeah, not it's subtle. Pretty, <laughs> it's pretty full on. That bloody great sheepskin jacket he wears. If he's sheepskin, I don't know what he's made of, but yeah, no, he was, um, yeah, I looked at it and thought that is absolute stereotypical Dale boy. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the storyline of this episode is Rodney has decided to leave Trotter's independent trading as a partner and he's teamed up with Mickey Pierce and they go out to their first auction together to buy some, obviously some stuff to start trading and start competing with Dell and the rest of the geezers around London. And it doesn't quite go according to plan for Rodney, which is a bit of a common occurrence throughout Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> and um, inevitably, obviously, he wants to uh, then leave Mickey Pierce and come back and work for Del Boys. So, JT, what uh, what do you think of this episode? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good episode. It's um, it's pre-Albert. We've got Grandad as the, the third trotter in this one. Um, I'm just looking here, 9.7 million viewers. So you think the one we discussed last week, The Longest Night, had nearly 17 million. So you can see how it gained traction season by season, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is actually the first episode that Mickey Pierce actually appears in. Um, he's talked about in the first two series, but he never actually makes an appearance. So this is the first time we get to see Mickey, which is strange, really, because he's, he's not a main character, but he's quite a prominent character. And it took him three seasons to appear. But... Yeah, the yeah. first one. Whenever you sort of speak to people, you know, and you have a bit of a chat about it, everyone always remembers, you know, like Mickey Pierce, a little kind of like rat looking dude with his trilby. He's always up to no good. <laughs> he but, still um, looks the same now, doesn't he? Oh, it <laughs> does, yeah. Well, he looks a bit, well, he's a bit older. He looks like he's made of leather now, but um, he's still. <laughs> he <does. laughs> if they ever did another Only Fools and Horse, which I think obviously they should just leave it where it is, personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he could probably jump right back into character and he wouldn't really look too out of place, would he? No, I think I've read somewhere recently that he's been quite ill as well. So if he is, um, get well soon. I always forget the name of the guy who plays him as well. I can never remember his name. Uh, Patrick Murray, I believe. I believe you are indeed right. Yes, I can never remember his bloody name. Must yeah. be getting on a bit now, though. Oh, yeah, 100%. He'll be, uh, let's have a look. We can uh, power. He's 63, in fact. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's cracking on a bit. Um, so the reason that Rodney wants to leave trotters independent traders is basically because he's a lookout for Dell as he normally is and <laughs> he completely misses a copper Dell's selling these um little dogs on the market um little squeaky dogs Rodney misses a copper 
Dale pegs it. There's a bit of a, a chase involving real dogs and some cats. Um, <laughs> there's a bit that always used to make me sad when I was younger as well. When Rodney finally picks Dale up and Dale jumps in the back of the van, uh, the suitcase opens and all the dogs spill out all over the road. And there's just one just there, starts squeaking away. And it always used to make me really upset when I was younger. <laughs> there was um, little people probably remember them if they're of a certain age, but there's little. I think it took like two double A batteries and they'd squeak yeah. and then they'd do like a little backflip, wouldn't they? And he's like, yeah. the funniest well, no, part is when he's, sorry, carry on. No, crack on. Um, so when he's, um, he packs up his suitcase and he's legging it. Um, and like you say, you've got dogs and cats and all kinds chasing him. He's got the copper chasing him and he's trying to hide, but all these dogs are squeaking away in his suitcase. You just hear this yeah. squeaking down back alleys as he's running. <laughs> you're saying about them doing a backflip. I doubt if they always did because I wouldn't have thought they'd have worked properly. Yeah, probably, I mean, yeah. But they did squeak, so I suppose they got that bit right, but I doubt if they did a lot more. Um, so when they get back to the flat, Dale's pretty pissed off with Rodney. They have a bit of an argument. Um, there's a classic line in it, actually, which always makes me laugh, when um, <laughs> Rodney's basically telling Dale that he's been assessing his life and stuff and everything, and um, he hasn't ever made anything of himself. He's just a lookout, and Dale says, no, you're not just a lookout. You're a bad lookout. And then Rodney says about putting his art into it, and Dale says, I don't want you to put your art in it, just your bloody eyes will do. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's another line that goes to that bit that always cracks me up, is when he's like, what about the other week when you missed an entire... It wasn't a police officer you missed, it was an entire squad car. And he's like, yeah. well, I didn't see it. Well, you must have been a bit suspicious when this giant great big jam sandwich turned up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Rodney basically tells Dale he's going it alone. Dale's like... Well, at first he says he's going to break up the partnership, to which Dale's like, what partnership? And um, says he's going alone. And then Dale says, who with? Mickey Pierce. So obviously he's not going alone. Um, so Dale then gives him half of Trotter's independent traders' current money or profit, which is a couple of hundred quid, I think, and it's not a lot. And then, really, um, no. <laughs> But turns out Dale's got some money tied up with these dodgy uh, lawnmower engines, which obviously doesn't say what they are. He says he's bought something off Alfie Flowers, I think he, he says to Rodney. Um, so then we see Rodney and Mickey at the auction um, the next day, I'm assuming, or shortly after, to which Dale's there and he asks them what they're going after. And they said they're going after, I think, some crystal cut goblets, isn't it, they want, um, Mickey and Rodney. Dale yeah. says, don't go up. Well, that's fine, but don't go after lot 37. Rodney obviously thinks Dale's doing a bit of reverse psychology. He goes, right, we must go for lot 37. But Mickey's, no, Dale told us not to go for that. Rodney obviously says that he knows how he works. He's obviously, he wants that as well. So they buy lot 37. What do they turn out to be? Lawnmower engines. But as Dale says, they're not just normal lawnmower engines, to which Rodney and Mickey's faces light up. They're broken lawnmower engines. <laughs> So, yeah, they've basically got a shitload of broken lawnmower engines with no way to get them back home either. They tried to get Dell to give them a hand with the van, to which Dell then turns around and admits, saying, I've only just got them out of my van. So, obviously, then Rodney twigged that Dell was the one selling them in the first place. Yeah, I love the way that kind of, um, that whole scene in the auction house kind of comes about. And it's such a grotty little, like, ramshack of a place, isn't it? Like, you're not going to buy anything of worth there, really. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the other lots they're selling is smoke damaged fire alarms. So you know, <laughs> well, smoke damaged yeah. fire damaged smoke alarms. I think it is actually. I think I've got that yeah, the wrong way round. But yeah, yeah. so yeah, it's, the, um, be the line is it's like it's like um, 
yeah, they all work well. We've got a written notice to say that they went off when the fire started in the factory or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but when um, Mickey and Rodney are sort of like going, oh, yeah, those combine harvester parts and everything, and they're like thinking, oh, yeah, we could you know, take them out to the sticks and do those carrot crunches up. And then there's a line yeah. later on when they find out that they're broken lawnmower engines. It's like, you were the one who wanted to go with them. The way you were talking, we was going to do a deal with Weetabix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that made me chuckle earlier, actually, when I saw that bit. Because I think I watched it on Gold the other day, and they cut that line out. They just went into adverts, and that little bit wasn't in it. So I've forgotten who said that, Mickey. Was it, is it Mickey who says that, or was it Rodney? It's Mickey who says that. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Yeah, so, they're debating if they actually pay the um, the auctioneer, aren't they? Like, yeah, we could just run away. And Rodney's like, oh, they know where I live. And then Mickey's like, oh, well, they don't know where I live. And then they start arguing, and that's pretty much from there is like the start of their breakup, isn't it, really? Pretty much, because then we get back to the Trotters' flat. Dale's had a blinding week. He's splashing out the cash. He buys some strawberries. I mean, splashing out the cash with strawberries. Come on. Um, so Rodney comes in and he's brassic, basically. He's got nothing. His shoes falling apart. Um, he asks for egg and chips. Um, we also ask if his son's arrived, his paper. And he's like, no, you haven't paid your housekeeping. Um, so he asked about egg and chips. And... Uh, was it Dale says? I can't remember what he says now. Um, oh, bloody hell. I see it's totally gone out of my head. Oh, we're not doing very well tonight. <laughs> memory's, <laughs> memory's gone. Um, I think it's... Um, oh, that's right. Rodney says he's brassic. And Dale says, oh, so after people on this estate, they don't come around here eating my egg and chips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is, um, he is a bit of a... I don't know. I mean, you know, you know Rodney and Dale... They just wind each other up constantly, don't they? And it's like, as much as I Dell is a bit of a hard ass sometimes to Rodney, like he does really actually care for him deep down. Obviously, it's the later on in the episode kind of proves and everything, but he's like properly, he probably grinds Rodney, doesn't he, for wanting to break up the partnership and go on his own in this episode. Yeah, and he keeps winding him up. He sold those lawnmower engines yet. And then um, he says he's going out for a curry, and Rodney obviously says he's brassic. So Dale hints that Rodney can come with him. But as he's leaving, he shuts pretty much shuts the door in his face and says, "Granddad, make him egg and chips." Yeah. So he stops at the door, doesn't he? And he's like, "You yeah. don't really think I'm that hard, do you, Rodney?" And he's like, "No, Dale, no." And as he stands up, Dale just kind of pushes him back in the chair. He's like, "Granddad, make him egg and chips," and just slams the door on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we also find out in this scene that um, Mickey Pierce has buggered off basically to Benidorm with the two hundred quid. Um, so obviously Rodney's not very happy with that. Um, so yeah, that's that's again obviously fueling the fact that they've fallen out completely. Um, Roddy didn't even know he was there. So there's a bit. I don't know how long after because, but apparently, Granddad says I haven't seen Mickey for four or five days, and then Dale says his mum got a postcard from him. So he must have been there a while. Because postcards took bloody ages to come back in those days. Yeah, and I was just thinking as well, like going away. You know, considering they live in like a near area state back in the day, going away to Benidorm with 200 quid, you probably couldn't do much with 200 quid these days on holiday, could you? So... I don't think you get to Benidorm, you get to Bournemouth probably with 200 quid. <laughs> yeah, just about, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Dale obviously, then as Brad Roll said, he um he has a change of heart. I think he always did have a bit of a change of heart anyway. I mean, he knew, I think he knew he was always going to help Rodney out, he just wanted to wind him up for a bit. So, he, he's at the um. The Indian, and he sees uh, old uh, young Towser, who's a character who I think this is the only episode he ever appears in. He's mentioned a couple of times in other episodes. I think yeah, this he's is the only one of those episodes. Is... We physically see him. 
there's quite a few characters i know we've discussed it before in various conversations but yeah there's quite a few of these kind of background characters like you say young towser who's mentioned quite a lot and even up to this point you know, obviously mickey pierce was mentioned several times before he actually manifested as a character but yeah towser i believe is just the only time we actually see him yeah say monkey harris he never appears does he but he's mentioned a lot but i don't yeah. think we ever see him so yeah yeah young towser is actually not that young um, yeah, he's not. He's got to be like in his like late forties. Um, <laughs> probably why he's called Young Towser. It's obviously a yeah. play on the fact he's not young. I don't know, but um, basically, Dell comes out of a plan. He wants Towser to buy the lawnmower engines off Rodney for two hundred quid, even though they're only worth about twenty quid scrap, and and then tell Rodney that he's got a contact in the uh, GLC Parks Department if he wants as many engines, basically, as as he can get his hands on. So one thing as well, I noticed earlier when. Dale was talking to Towser. He offers him a glass of red wine. He never lets him drink it. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I have. Yeah, and then he sticks sticks him with the bill, doesn't he? Because every time yeah. Towser goes to obviously lift the glass to his mouth, Dale like puts his hand on his wrist. He's like, "Here, here's one more thing," and yeah, does it like, Dale... two or three times. And then um, Dale's like, "I wouldn't pay that bill if I were you." And then just buggers off out the door. Yeah, Dale was just about to leave. Towser thinks, "Oh, I can drink that wine now." Dale picks it up and just like coughs the whole lot, puts it down. Yeah, <laughs> and then stitches him up the bill so yeah so that's that's how Dell you know has a change of heart to help Rodney out basically it's quite a good little plan to be honest um, but obviously it doesn't quite go to plan because they never do do they so yeah. I don't know if you want to elaborate on the next part of what happens yeah so basically um, obviously Dell has obviously put this plan in motion because that way he gets Rodney back in his firm, as it were, and obviously he gets his money back at the end of the day, he feels like he's not going to lose out. Um, so the sort of plot kind of rolls on a little bit. Dell's then down the pub and Rodney comes to join him, looking a little bit flustered, but also a little bit excited because he feels like he's just got the deal of a lifetime. Comes in all excited that he's just sold the lawnmower engines to young Towser. Um, and I don't think when Dell says, oh, you know, that's obviously good going and stuff, and then he asks how much he got for him. And I think, how much he say he's going to, how much does he give Towser again? He's about 20 quid, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And Rodney, Rodney sells him for 165. So That's Dale's it, yeah. completely he's tucked himself up. Yeah. So Dale's completely tucked himself up. Um, yeah. But the, <laughs> and then um, he's, t- he's tucked himself up and then he gives, um, he asks Rodney for the money. He goes, come on, let's pool our resources and put our money together. And then Rodney's like, "Oh no, no, I didn't. I didn't get the money. I went back down to Alfie Flowers and um, got some more lawnmower engines because because <laughs> <laughs> old um, young Towser said this guy in the GLC Parks Department he can't get enough of them. So Rodney's just obviously gone and um, taken the money. Dell has done a sort of like deal to try and get his money back, but Rodney, being the plonker that he is, has gone and got the money less than he should have gotten, and he's gone and bought the same lawnmower engines <laughs> once again. <laughs> and he's like, the way that scene comes yeah. out and Dell's face as he's telling him is just classic. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's brilliant from Dell. Um, and it's the way Rodney's like, yeah, they're exactly the same as the ones I had before. And Dell's like, you bet your bloody dollar they, bottom dollar they are. <laughs> yeah, bet your life they're the same. <laughs> What was he? he's like? You're a water forty-two carat plonker. You really are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Rodney, obviously, when he's sort of getting back in with Dell, says, "Obviously, now I've got um, experience in buying and selling too." Dell's like, "Yeah, that'll help." <laughs> yeah, that'll um, be invaluable. <laughs> yeah. So then um, 
Dale implies that he's going to buy Rodney a drink. Um, but what he actually does is give him an elastic band just to tie up his shoe because Rodney, the sole of Rodney's shoe has been flapping around. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much how the episode ends. But I think it's... I like I like the way you see both sides of Dale. You see him being a bit of a dick to Rodney, but then you see him like being, you know, the, the brother that he is, the big brother. Yeah, because that's always like a reoccurring theme. You know, so many storylines and scenarios come about and you always see like, you know, we know that um, Rodney came quite late and his mum died shortly thereafter and her dad had it away on his toes, old Reggie. Um, yeah. So Dale was kind of left with granddad and a young brother to raise. So he's obviously also been on the streets trading and grafting. So he's kind of like a father and a big brother at the same time, isn't he? And he's got that kind of, he yeah, does he have is. a protective nature over Rodney. And there's some really throughout this saga, there's quite kind of like touching moments between the two really. But on the other hand, he is just a big brother and he just winds him up and it's basically a bit of an ass to him for most of the time, but he never really goes through with it. Like, you know, he's always got his back at the end of the day. That's like, how many times has Rodney left home? He leaves home in the first episode, doesn't he? Yeah. The big brother in it, the first ever episode, he leaves home. And then obviously he goes up into the water tank in uh, the case of the Peckham Pouncer. Yeah. Yeah, Peckham <laughs> Pouncer. Um, and where's the one? Is it episode one? Um, is that the one where he goes and he pretends like he's gone on to like, I don't know, like Hong Kong or something like that. And then he comes back doing his whole like prodigal son returns and realizes and realizes that Dale was found his passport and those yeah, yeah. anywhere. Yeah, it says he gets as far as Saint Tropez and he met some bird called Veronica, I think, and she had a yacht yeah. and stuff. But he, he's been to the Doss House in Stoke Newington, I think. <laughs> he is like, I love just love the word, but he is such a plonker. I mean, Lynnhurst plays Rodney so well. Yeah, he does. I, I'm assuming the word plonker came from Only Fools and Horses, didn't it? It probably wasn't yeah. around before. Because there's, yeah, there's quite a few words. Yeah, there's quite a few words that Dale uses that I'm thinking, I wonder if that's where they came from. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure plonker was something to do with that. Like dipstick as well. I've never heard anyone called a dipstick before, but obviously Dale calls Rodney dipstick quite often. Yeah, I mean, I was the way I always knew it is like a dipstick was actually that part of the car, you know, where you check yeah, your engine check oil. Your that's oil. called dipstick. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if it's actually a slang word until... Only fools came along, but then thinking about it, like Del Boy's like the original chap, isn't he? Really? When you look oh yeah, he is. It. Yeah, he's com- he's a complete chap. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like you say, his gold neck chain with a D on it. I think we've got him to blame for like you know the, the chap situation. Not that you really see that many these days. I think they've kind of died of death a bit, haven't they? Well, I like to think that if it wasn't for Del Boy, we probably wouldn't have like Argos jewellery, would we? It's pretty much all of that's like <laughs> shitty gold <laughs> sovereigns <Yeah>. and chains. <laughs> Elizabeth Duke. Do you know yeah. what? I, I worked for Argos. My first retail job was Argos and uh, I got trained on the jewellery counter and some of that shit we used to sell, fucking hell. Oh, <laughs> it was pretty garish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so it's hideous, wasn't it? It was just so, so bad. It was embarrassing when you had to get something out to show someone. You were like, you're not going to buy this, are you? Seriously? Yeah, especially when you've got like a proper jewellery shop rather than like Ernest Jones across the way or something selling like genuine, yeah. decent jewellery. Yeah, it was um, it was an interesting time. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, touching on, you know, you said um, at the start when Rodney's failing as a lookout, hmm. they actually play a bit of music that's very similar to Jaws during that bit. And in the original BBC cut, that was actually the proper... Um, John Williams Jaws music but because of obviously copyright and as time goes on the VHS and DVD 
and subsequent versions that you probably see on gold nowadays actually had couldn't have that music in there so they just got a very similar piece of music oh, right. um, to go with that bit when the policeman's approaching so i did not know that that's a interesting little fact there they've they've had quite a lot of copyright problems with some of the music haven't they um, yeah that's why some of the scenes have been cut out on dvd and gold and whatever i think some of the actors as well there was contract problems so some of the bit part actors couldn't appear in reruns or something or the dvds i read that somewhere so there's certain scenes cut out because there would be an actor in it that wasn't allowed to be on the rerun. Yeah, because I remember reading once, because um, there's a box set and it usually comes out every Christmas. You see it in Tesco and that, and it's um like the complete collection. It's one that's like leopard print design. Leopard print You've probably one. seen it every yeah, year. I've yeah, seen it. yeah. Like those are apparently the most heavily edited versions. Yeah, because I um, they they had it in CX, um, and I nearly bought it once, but just to have it but I thought what's the point I've got the DVDs anyway that I've probably cut a little bit but not as much as them there's no real point to having this and it's still yeah. quite expensive as well it's like 80 odd quid I think yeah because I think there's been another box set release it's just in a yellow and red just says only fours and horses box it looks good and I think those are made up of the same versions I know you and me have got you know the singles that are all yeah. different colours per um, season basically but yeah that um for anyone looking to buy the only fools and horses set if you see it over christmas just bear in mind that that is the most heavily edited version so you might want to think yeah. twice and get the other versions the best way of getting them if they're still on amazon you can buy them like bread roll said singly and um although some of those are cut they're not as bad as that box set and they're quite cheap as well some of them are only a couple of quid so I'd invest in that rather than that box set, although it looked quite snazzy. It's uh, probably not worth it. Yeah. Another thing about this episode, there's a couple of occurrences, which I'm sure we'll touch on as time goes on with this podcast. There's a couple of actors who appear as various characters. Um, the guy who plays Jumbo Jones is one of them. He appears as Jumbo Jones, who's a character who's going bold. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but he, he believes that he isn't going bold. It's just an issue and he'll, his hair will grow back. But he appears previously, a few few seasons before, as somebody buys a dodgy car off Dell. A similar thing happens in this episode. The guy who plays the foreman, Harry, who collects the money for the broken lawnmower engines, actually appears um, in 1986 in an episode called Video Nasty, and he's the vicar who married Boise and Marlene. The same actor plays both characters. I did not know that. I knew Jumbo Jones had been in it twice, because obviously they just found someone who could do an Aussie accent. Um, whether he's actually a genuine Aussie or not, I don't know. His accent sounds a bit ropey, so I'd suggest he's not. It sounds really forced, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. <laughs> you remember like old movies, like if you watch a British movie that had an American in it, it'd be like a really over-the-top Yank accent and vice versa. Like in America, you'd have like a really overly posh British accent for oh, any they, British character think, and it's like the same with the Aussie one, isn't it? Yeah, they think we're all posh and we all know the Queen though, don't they? So they, they all make us sound posh when they do English accents in American films. That's true, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know the Queen. I'd love to meet her, but I don't know her. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. We only live 60 miles away from her, but I've never met her. <laughs> well, we only live like 10 miles away from each other, and I haven't seen you for like two years. So. <laughs> yeah, is it that long? <laughs> Shows how social um, we are, oh, yeah. probably over two years now. Yeah, but to be fair, everything that's going on hasn't really helped, has it? <laughs> yeah. We were going to plan to meet up to have a beer at some point, and then the whole fucking country got locked down, so it didn't happen. Yeah, I know. So thank God for, um, you know, Anchor, basically. Otherwise, this podcast would never happen. Some of you listening probably think, fuck, no, I wish it didn't happen. It's terrible, <laughs> <but> <laughs> we're having a good time. Exactly. Yeah. 
Right, have we got anything else to say about this episode? Or are we ready to wrap it up? Well, just a couple of random like continuity um, things in regards to it. So when the toy dogs fall out of Dell's van, they all fall on their side. But when the shot comes where the van's pulling away, two of them are walking around. So that was obviously something that was reset whether they did oh. the drop out of the suitcases, a couple of shots, whether someone actually went and picked them up just because yeah. it made the, the spread oh, look a bit better. But, that's the scene uh, that upsets me as well, and I didn't even notice that. I was too busy being upset, you see, by the, the dogs falling out of the suitcase. That's it, you know, just drying <laughs> your eyes and stuff. Yeah, too much. <laughs> um, and revealing mistakes, in one of the shots when you see Rodney is leaning against the wall at the beginning, you can see a group of kids staring directly at the camera which is obviously always an issue. I remember when I was um, holidaying down in a place called West Bay and they were shooting a show called, I think it was called Harbour Lights at the time. Mm. And they literally, it was really annoying because we were down there on holiday and it's a really nice place, lovely harbour. But they wanted everyone in the background to turn around and face away from the cameras because it looks more natural. It's like, yeah. what, so these people live in a town where everyone faces the other <laughs> bloody way. How stupid is that? But yeah, I was... Um, on lower budget shows and stuff, I always like to look out and see if anyone can kind of, you know, is anyone kind of staring at the camera or like where they're not supposed to be? Yeah, that's true. And particularly, we know these episodes quite well, although it probably didn't sound like it talking about this one tonight. So sometimes I do look out for things I might have missed, like continuity and stuff like that. Um, but obviously, yeah. I, I missed the dogs because I was too busy drying my eyes. That's it. You were, you were soft. <laughs> and you were a cat person anyway, growing up. <laughs> you were crying over a stuffed dog. I know, so, I know, I know. <laughs> And also, just another thing, because I'm a stickler for this sort of stuff. Um, during um, the section where Dale was being chased by the police officer, he runs, I think he either runs around the corner or into a shop and he nearly bumps into a woman. Um, and she's quite distinctively holding a red purse. But if you watch that scene, as he's approaching, you can see her standing. You can see the reflection of a red purse in the window as if she's standing waiting for a cue to walk in. Um <laughs> And you can see it quite prominently, like standing there just looking. And you can almost like see the minute that someone kind of like points at her or says, all right, go. And then she walks out and Dell nearly runs into her. <laughs> I'd never noticed that either. Maybe I just spent too much time looking at the background in things. But when you've seen a show as many times as we've seen this, I think, you know, sometimes I just like to see what's going on in the background to see what, you know, yeah. there's just anything to pick up on. There's like a really typical slapstick moment as well isn't there when he runs through that shop and I think the guy's got a sheet and he runs into it and then they've got the jug or whatever it is and he runs into them and they drop the jug it's like proper Benny Hill almost that yeah <laughs> yeah that is yeah some classic moments there but yeah overall I um I actually again you know it's in our top 10 so I do really like this episode I think it's an episode that kind of flows really nicely as well yeah. where it's um broken up a bit more like you've got the introduction of Mickey Pierce and it kind of is broken up into kind of three sections, like the starting bit tells one little story about, you know, the current relationship between Dell and Rodney. The middle bit kind of shows the haphazard relationship that Rodney has with Mickey Pierce, which is another continuing trend. Yeah. And then the third section is obviously showing that Dell is obviously a pretty straight up guy, but Rodney's still a bit of a plonker, really. <laughs> yeah, I think that summed it up very nicely, actually. Yeah, I couldn't say, uh, couldn't say anything better myself, I don't think. Right, so um, that pretty much wraps it up for uh, this particular episode. So let us know again. It's been a few of you have reached out and sort of like been saying like you've enjoyed the podcast. So thanks for everyone who's listened so far. And again, get in touch if you do like 
um, any of the episodes and let us know what your favourite episodes are. What's that uh, email address again, JT? It's um, hyperbaricgoats at gmail.com. There we go. So we look forward to hearing from you and we will get a Twitter I was about to account. say that. That will happen. Yeah. We're both being lazy <laughs> on that, but it will happen maybe even by next week. Who knows? Maybe, yeah, yeah, watch this space. You know, as you can tell by listening to this episode, we're obviously very organised people. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> right, and um, just as a special note for the people who tuned into our first episode, again, thank you very much. But we mentioned a certain actor called Max Harvey in that episode. And towards the end of the episode, John mentioned that he might not be alive by now. Um, and unfortunately, he's not. I found out he passed away in 2006. So although I wasn't a fan of you as an actor, I'm sorry for slagging you off in that episode. Yeah, I, I, I apologise too. And uh, yeah. Um, and also another thing from that episode where I was questioning how much a packet of fags were. Um, and my my mum actually told me they're £10.46. Now, I have no idea what brand she was talking about or how she knows this because she hasn't smoked since I was a tiny little kid. But apparently £10.46 for 20 fags. That's from my mum. So thanks, mum. Yeah, and how much were they in that episode? Like £1.25 or something? £1.46, I believe. £1.46. Off the top of my head. So £9 difference in 30-something years. There we go. So that's what inflation has done to the UK. (laughs) But it's also a good, you know, good to show, you know, if you smoke, you should give it up. It's not a good habit. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) And on that, once again, amazingly charming note, I've been Bread Roll with JT, and thank you for tuning in to our latest episode. Indeed. Bonjour. <laughs>